your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Thursday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, excited to be back here for a Thursday morning episode. We are breaking down everything to do with Kent State, Iowa's next opponent on Saturday. Kent State at this point is 1-1, one and one, and they haven't had the best competition, I should say. They got destroyed by a Texas A&M squad that had a tough time against Colorado, and they kicked the crap out of VMI, an FCS school. So we're going to try to glean as much as we can here. Uh, a couple things to really note is that offensively, they do some really interesting things. They take a lot of pressure off their offensive line by some of their running attack and how they utilize their quarterback. Defensively, they lead the nation in certain big-time statistics while also being one of the worst-rated defenses in the entire nation. We're going to be breaking all that down, though, on the show today. And if you want to listen to another Locked On episode after this, there is simply no better place to get all the news on the Big Ten Conference than with Nate Dickinson and the Locked On Big Ten Podcast. Follow the Locked On Big Ten Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast app. And if you are tuning in via podcast, please make sure to subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast app. If you're on YouTube, I appreciate you as well. Please make sure to subscribe here as well. Also, this is a free podcast. Every Monday through Friday, YouTube, podcast platform, wherever you want to get it, we're always going to give it to you for free. So I appreciate you all tuning in and listening in. And last thing before we get into the episode, apologies if you are watching YouTube, my eyes watering a little bit. I'm dealing with the cold steel, some scratchy eyes. Super fun, um, but I'm trying not to make a, make a big deal of it. So let's get into it. The Kent State Golden Flashes take on Iowa this week, and we expect this to be a cupcake game, right? Iowa takes down two top 25 Power 5 opponents. You expect a Kent State team to be a cupcake. Kent State's program is on the rise, though. They are getting better the last couple of years, um, posting winning records even, uh, which is not your traditional Kent State Golden Flashes football team. They have several very talented players, and their rushing attack is one of the best in the nation. Now, when looking deeper at some of these numbers, the rushing attack, though, is really an allure to kind of protect their offensive line that is not as strong as you'd initially expect. But all in all, it starts with Dustin Crum. This year, rated 59.2 in passing, has a 78.7 grade in running. He attempted 43 passes and completed 24 of those passes. But let's not focus on this year because it's only been two games, one against Texas A&M and the other one against VMI. So again, we have to take all these stats with somewhat of a grain of salt because it's been such a discrepancy between these opponents. At FCS school, a decent FCS school, but an FCS school, and Texas A&M. Last year, Crum posted a 77.7 passing rate. The year before that, 90.9. For those two years, he threw for 32 touchdowns and four interceptions and nearly 4,000 yards. So when you're looking at these stats and you think, oh, Dustin Crum can't throw, it's not really the case. He has an arm. He has the ability to make some of these throws. It just hasn't been that case this season. And I don't expect it to get any better against an Iowa secondary. Yes, this secondary, Iowa's defense, I'll put them up against almost any offense in the entire country, save for maybe Alabama at this point. So getting a Kent State team that is not as adept at throwing the ball this year doesn't worry me too much. What does worry me is how much they like to run the ball and in how how many different ways they like to run the ball. 
And so when you look at the rushing attack, one of the best in the nation, 29th rated rushing attack in the nation. They have six guys averaging over 6.6 yards per attempt. Again, starting with Dustin Crum. 19 attempts, 130 yards, 6.8 average. Kirk Ferentz had this to say about Dustin when he talked to the media two days ago. Certainly, the quarterback is an outstanding football player. A big part of what they do, he's really kind of he really kind of makes them go. Not the same as when we played Mississippi State a couple years ago. Not the same attack, but similar in that the quarterback was the catalyst of that football team all season long. Certainly, you can see it right now with this guy. Again, that is where this game starts and stops. They need to stop Dustin Crum. He is dangerous with the ball in his hands, and they like to, again, do a lot of RPOs, do a lot of sweeps, do things that are going to get people running and create confusion amongst the defensive line and the defense in general. On that running attack, again, Xavier Williams, 21 attempts, 138 yards, 6.6 yards per attempt. Marquez Cooper, 20 attempts, 161 yards, 8.1 yards per attempt. This team is going to be tough. Xavier Williams has forced seven missed tackles in two games. Marquez Cooper has 5.35 yards after contact per attempt. That's absurd. So it's important to know this team is going to be tough to bring down in the running game perspective. They forced 29 missed tackles in two games. And Iowa, as much as we want to appreciate what the defense is doing, they've been a weak tackling team this year. We talked about it on the show on Tuesday. Our linebackers have missed a lot of tackles. Now, some of that is shooting the gap and missing those arm tackles. But, and again, Brees Hall, a fantastic running back. It's going to be tough to stop a Brees Hall with arm tackles. But Iowa has not been one of the best. They've arguably been one of the bottom third tackling teams in the country in terms of efficiency and missed tackle rate. And now they're getting a team in Kent State who has forced 29 missed tackles, has a couple guys who could run some guys over. And they like to get to the edges wherever they can. This is going to be a tough test. From a, from a defensive perspective, that defensive line is going to have to stay in their gaps. And we're going to allow the linebackers to try to see what is happening and make a play quickly. I trust the instincts of Seth Benson. I trust the instincts of Jack Campbell. But that is going to be a very tough challenge for them. They are strong running to the edges, but not as much on the interior. So Logan Lee and Anoah Shannon, they have to do their jobs. But really, it comes down to John Wagner and Zach and Valkenberg because on the edges is where Kent State has gotten most of their production. Up the middle, they're below their team average in terms of rushing yards while also having around the, the same amount of attempts as the edges. The right side, though, between the center and the tackle, that has been probably the toughest spot for them to get yards. I don't. They're going to try to wear down the defense and go up the middle, but for Noah Shannon, for Logan Lee, if Wyatt Black comes in, Lucas Van Ness, um, these are guys who are going to be able to handle that. I'm not worried about that. The biggest and most important spot on this defensive line right now, though, is Zach from Valkenburg. Now, we know Zach is a phenomenal player. But what Kent State does is they specific. I mean, they have had the most success targeting the right end in running downs. That will make it very interesting as they go up against a Zach from Valkenburg, who is our best defensive lineman on the team. That's what the rushing attack brings. Again, passing-wise, they don't scare me a ton. It just doesn't scare me a lot. They have two wide receivers who are their top two guys, Nakeem Johnson and Dante Cephas, targeted 22 of 47 times just those two guys. Neither are actually grading out particularly well, but 
they've been the most productive wide receivers for Kent State to this point. Johnson primarily operates out of the slot. 45 of his 70 yards gained are after contact. And what I mean by that, or sorry, 45 of 70 yards gained are after he catches the ball. So yards after catch. That means he's had seven catches for 25 yards. They like to get him the ball close to the line of scrimmage. And this is something you're going to notice when I talk about some of the passing information. They like to get the ball out very quickly. They don't They don't really get the ball out after the 10-yard line very often. So that'll be something that Iowa needs to be aware of while also not allowing them to burn them deep. Again, Iowa secondary known for keeping things in front of them. Cephas, again, he's also a guy on the outside operating. Uh, 52 of his 76 yards came on one play. So the other four catches have a combined for 24 yards. He also has three drops. So you can see where this passing game has kind of stalled out a little bit. They don't air it out. They have to keep things shallow. And they've had some issues with drops just like Iowa has had as well. Coming up on segment two, we're going to continue our breakdown of the offense. I do want to tell you about rockauto.com, though. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why interrupt in pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home. Why don't you save some money and put it in your pocket? I went to rockauto.com. I bought two engineer filters. It took me less than five minutes to navigate their awesome website. I saved $50 on the two engineer filters, and it was delivered directly to my door. Why wouldn't you go to rockauto.com? I was able to pick out the exact filters I wanted to. You can do that as well by going to rockauto.com right now and seeing all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, y'all, and we're going to get into it. Segment two of the Locked on Hawkeyes podcast, breaking down the offensive side of the ball. Now, again, I mentioned passing, not so good. Receiving, even worse. Rushing is where they are going to be difficult to take down at. And why I say that, and why I say passing is not as big of a concern, when Kent State is in a true passing set, their offensive linemen are bad. That's why they have to do a lot of, you know, not deflection, but manipulation of how they're running plays, changing it up with what formations and sets they're coming out of because their line needs a lot of protection. When you look at this, when you look at just on the surface, their offensive linemen traditionally have graded out very, very well this year. In the two, two, two games, they have had some of the highest graded offensive linemen in the country, save for Zach Whaley, who has posted a 44.2 pass blocking grade and has allowed six pressures at the right tackle spot. However, they've only ran 13 true pass blocking sets. So what a true pass blocking set is, it's not a rollout, it's not play action, it's not screens, and it's not RPO. And it's also any time where they've had more than a three-man rush, so an actual standard rushing uh, defensive pass rush. Only 13 traditional pass blocking sets. And in those sets, they have three guys grading below 60, which means when they are set up and they are just passing the ball, defensive linemen have been able to tee off on this team. What slows them down is those play actions. It's the RPOs. It's the rollouts with the quarterback like 
Dustin Crum, who's able to break containment and make plays with his legs, as we talked about with the rushing attack. They utilize deception to try to get this offense to work. This is an up-tempo offense, an offense that likes to move and groove very quickly. And again, they want to get the ball in Dustin Crum's hands. They like to use several different guys in the running game. We've seen Iowa go up against these teams before, and they've had success. Iowa has, I mean. Defensively, this shouldn't be a problem. Yes, this is going to be an interesting test for Iowa. It's going to be different than what they've seen so far. But given the fact that Iowa primarily plays a cover two defense, two guys over top, making sure no one goes deep, they have a very gap sound team, including their linebackers. They they all they all know exactly where they're supposed to be, and they're very um, the, the integrity of their gaps is is impressive and impeccable. Probably the best in the nation. This doesn't concern me too much, but it could be an issue early in the game. Kent State could get out, get a touchdown quickly before the defense realizes what the heck just happened. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, we talked about the passing. Again, this passing attack, not exactly the best. And we talked about the fact that they like to keep things close to the line of scrimmage. They like to get the ball out quickly and neutralize the pass rush. Again, that's why we talked about the fact that their offensive line grades have not been that bad because they haven't had to hold up blocks for that long, especially if you're getting the ball out within the two or three yards post line of scrimmage. Overall, though, this passing attack, the 102nd ranked passing attack in the nation. They only completed two passes out of nine attempts over 20 yards, and they have one interception. They've only t- attempted three passes over 10 yards in between the 10 and the 20, so only 12 passes combined over 10 yards deep. On those three passes between 10 and 20, they're two of three, and they have 30 passes between the line of scrimmage and the 10-yard line with 22 coming between the line of scrimmage and the 10, eight behind the line of scrimmage. Again, that is how you neutralize a pass rush. This offense is up-tempo. It is going to be difficult. We're going to be getting a lot of those quick throws, slants, screens, bubble screens, jet sweeps. Be on the lookout for that. A lot of RPO as well. And we saw against Iowa State, Iowa struggled at times handling that. I saw one play specifically, Zach and Valkenberg collapsed with straight for Brees Hall. Brock Purdy tucks it in, gets 10 yards at the field. Dustin Crum, a better runner than Brock Purdy. So be on the lookout for that. Kent State's also 95th in giveaways. That bodes well for a team like Iowa, who is one of the biggest ball hawking teams in the nation. Which is ironic because Kent State is actually the biggest ball hawking team in the nation, according to statistics, averaging five takeaways a game. What's important to note, though, they played an FCS school in VMI, and Texas A&M has not exactly been the best barometer for success at this point. So we mentioned how good that Kent State rushing attack has been. Texas A&M's rushing defense is 92nd in the nation. Meanwhile, Iowa's is 29th in the nation. They're allowing 2.8 yards per rush. Something's got to give there. It's either Kent State's rushing attack or Iowa's rushing defense. I'm going to put my my money on Iowa's rushing defense every single day in that regard. And Texas A&M. Now, part of this is because of the takeaway, the giveaways they had against Kent State, but they're 123rd in giveaways. Outside of Iowa's two fumbles in that first game, they have had no issues. Spencer Petras playing clean football. There will be a time where he throws an interception. Hopefully, it's not in this game, but 
he has done a really good job of protecting the football first and foremost, especially considering that Iowa's had big leads in both these games, and that's all he has needed to do. So again, offensively, Kent State does some things that worry me, but when you take a deeper look, there's a lot of weaknesses on this team. Coaching, play calling, their play style is what makes Kent State difficult. The individuals are not too, super concerning to me outside of their two running backs and their quarterback, Dustin Crum. Offensive line, I don't think it's anything to do with their offensive line being overly great. It's the fact that I, you know, they do such a good job of, of not putting pressure on their offensive line, which goes to show you when they look at those true pass blocking sets and how poorly they did in those two true pass blocking sets. Coming up on segment three, we're going to break down the defense quickly and then do a little bit of special teams where we wrap up the show today. I do want to tell you, though, about sweat block. I can personally attest to how sweat block and how amazing sweat block is. If you're like me, you've been going through life excessively sweating. You are literally picking out t-shirts that will hide your sweat because you're so embarrassed by it. Again, you know I've dealt with this. When I speak in public, I can't help but sweat through my shirt. Again, now listen, I know this isn't life and death. There's bigger issues, but in the moment, it feels like such a big deal. Nobody likes to pit out during a speech or an interview or a first date. I'd rather just not worry about it. And that's why I have sweat block antiperspirant wipes. Sweat block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true. I can personally attest to how amazing it is. So if you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. All right, we are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college bowl action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 100% welcome bonus when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right, y'all, let's get into the final segment of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast, continuing our breakdown of Kent State, the team Iowa takes on in 48 hours. I'm excited for it. I hope you all are as well. Um, I'm What I'm most excited about is the fact that Iowa might have an opportunity to figure some things out offensively. People like to look at Iowa and say their offense sucks. Spencer Peters is still bad. Spencer Petras still has room for improvement. I like some of the things I'm seeing from him, but everything needs a little bit more context behind it. Iowa's offense has not had to do a lot in the second half. Spencer Petras has not had to put the team on his back and win. Now, does it worry me that we've never really had to rely on Spencer Petras to put the team on his back and win? Yes. But as of now, our defense is doing fine. These next two games, hopefully Iowa offensively can figure a few things out. They get Kyler shot back, which is going to be a huge, huge boost that offensive line. And hopefully we can get the wide receivers a bit more involved as I know they've definitely been frustrated by their lack of production. Now, going into this game, though, they get a defense that is not the not a good defense. 112th in total defense, 114th in rushing defense, 100 in pass rush, pass rush, excuse me, and 66th in pass coverage. 
Now, a lot of that is being held up by the fact that Kent State, just like Iowa, has done a very good job of picking the ball off. They have two guys who lead the nation with interceptions with three. You have Montre Miller, who has allowed five completions on 12 attempts for 100 yards and has had three interceptions. You also have Elvis Hines, who has allowed five catches on nine attempts for 77 yards and three interceptions. Both have graded out relatively well. Montre Miller, not as good. Um, graded out below 64. So when you talk about grading, 50 is, is average. You'd like to be probably in the 70 to above range. So 50 to 70 is, you know, slightly above average, but not good. Below that's bad. Um, he is not graded out super well. So they have two corners, Montre Miller, Elvis Hines, two guys to watch out for. Um, ball hawking corners, but not exactly the best graded corners. And why that's important is one of the cool things about these advanced analytics and watching these corners is that just because the ball wasn't thrown their way doesn't mean they're not getting graded for that play. So, for example, if Miller is guarding Tyrone Tracy Jr., and Tyrone Tracy Jr. jukes him out of his socks and he's wide open, but Spencer Peters doesn't see him, he's not going to throw the ball to him. Tyrone's not going to get a catch. It's not going to go against Montre Miller's completion percentage. But advanced analytics is going to say that he lost that snap and it's going to affect his grade. So, yes, in pass coverage, at times they have been pretty solid, but there's a lot of weak points in that pass coverage. What is more interesting to me is their pass rush. Against Texas A&M, they forced three interceptions and had two sacks, led by C.J. West and Antoine Cook, two interior defensive linemen um, who both have five pressures each through two games. But overall, their pass rush grades are poor. So, again, advanced ventilation not everything, but you have to take some of that stuff and combine it with other narratives. And sorry, excuse me for my voice cracking there again. Dealing with a little bit of a cold. So to deal with those other narratives. So the pass rush grade here, Antoine Cook and C.J. West clearly are able to get to the passer at times. But those other snaps, they're not. They're not putting pressure on the team. And I think when you have Kyler shot back a little bit and Tyler Linderbaum up there, that is going to be – they're going to be effectively neutralized in that regard. The rushing defense, this is a really good opportunity for Iowa to get the rushing attack figured out. And not saying they haven't, they've had really good spurts, but they've also struggled at times. Kent State is 125th in the nation, allowing 7.4 yards per rush. That is music to Brian Ferris's ears, and I'm excited to see what they can do to get Tyler Goodson going, and even Ivory Kelly Martin, and potentially Gavin Williams as well. Another area that Iowa has struggled in so far has been third down conversion percentage. Well, luckily enough for them, Kent State is 128th in the nation in third down conversion percentage, third worst. This should be a huge point of emphasis for Iowa to be able to keep the offense on the field. They need to convert third downs. As we saw this past week against Iowa State, they got a bit conservative. Spencer Petrus wasn't throwing the ball away. They took several sacks, and that hurt them severely. They cannot have that same situation happen in a close game going forward. It's important to use these opportunities to figure out what they need to do to right the ship there. And again, Kent State is number one in the nation in takeaways. They have five per game. For comparison, Iowa is seventh with 3.5. I don't think that's going to be as big of a factor. Texas A&M has been a little bit careless. VMI and FCS school. Again, I think where Kent State's strengths are, according to statistics, Iowa will be able to handle that. Where Kent State's deficiencies are, are also where Iowa's deficiencies are. I'm going to take the Power 5 program deficiency 
over the group of five program deficiency in Kent State, where I think Iowa's offense can win out against a struggling defense in Kent State. Yes. When you look at a couple stats, Kent State's defense is strong. When you look at 80% of them, though, Kent State's defense, not so good. You need to be careful around the corners. But I think there's going to be a lot of holes open in the middle with their tight ends. Kent State's linebacker is not the best in coverage. Targeting Sam Laporta, Luke Lachey, that is going to be huge. Opening that up before we can get to our wide receivers. Also expect some quick passes as well. Again, with this defense not being a strength, getting some things out quickly and allowing Iowa's playmakers to make some plays is going to be huge as well. The last thing I want to mention is special teams. Iowa has a clear advantage in special teams. Kent State's field goal kicker, two of four on field goals. He's missed two from 29 yards and closer. His long is 30. Punting-wise, Josh Smith putting up very pedestrian numbers. A 41.4 yard per punt average and a net average of 38. Again, nothing to write home about. So I look at this game on paper. Yes, there are things Kent State is going to be good at. There's things I like about Kent State. But the things I like about Kent State, I'm not worried about because it matches up well with Iowa's strengths. Iowa is going to be able to handle it. Again, that first drive is going to be interesting because they're going to run up tempo. If they come out hot, if they come out guns a-blazing, there's a chance that Kent State puts seven points on the board pretty quickly. And they expect Bill Parker's defense to turn it around. They're going to make some adjustments, and they're going to be able to handle that. But it's hard to simulate that type of offense in practice when Iowa doesn't have that those type of players to run that type of offense in a scout team practice format. So it'll be interesting to see, but I do expect a win for Iowa. Um, we'll talk tomorrow about covering the spread. Will Iowa beat Kent State by 22 and a half or more? What is my prediction? All that's coming up on the show tomorrow, including our storylines for the game. After you get done listening to the show, though, you got to check out, check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Betting on your team doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast app. And again, I appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, I apologize. I have this cold I've been struggling with, trying to not sound too nasally, but nevertheless, I'll get better at some point and it'll sound better on these shows. Appreciate you all tuning in. Subscribe wherever you downloaded this podcast app. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure to hit that like button, the thumbs up button. Really appreciate the love and support. Have a fantastic Thursday, and I'll talk to you all tomorrow, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks.